This is a sermon podcast of the First Baptist Church of Boulogne in Hilliard, Florida. For more information, please visit www.fbcboulogne.org. All righty. Well, let's turn to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Book of Luke, chapter 2. How in the world and what in the world was happening in the Middle East when Jesus was born? Was it just as simple as what we read in the scriptures? Is that all that there is to it? One thing we need to remember is that scripture gives an accurate Reliable, without any mixture of error, fully sufficient, redemptive story, the redemptive plan of God. So naturally, there are things that happened that were not recorded. Jesus himself, or John recorded at the end of his gospel of Jesus, that if we recorded everything Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough books in this world to contain it. So yes, Things were happening around the world that attributed or had an effect on the birth of Christ. And tonight we're going to begin a journey at looking at what was happening. Now, as I said before, if you can imagine a big pot of soup, I'm going to have to ladle it out little by little. And we're going to have to look at bits and pieces. I have, I am try, I'm going to try my best to be categorical. And to kind of, you know, go in a manner that you can easily follow. So tonight, I just want to begin by talking about the major people that were involved in the birth of Christ. I want you to understand who they were and why their role is significant and and why uh, locations that they were associated with were significant. So we'll start with Mary. Now, Luke chapter 2, beginning in... Verse 1, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. So let's talk about Mary. Mary was from Nazareth. We know that later on they settled back in Nazareth. What do we know about her? Well, outside of her genealogy, We don't know much about her background. Her genealogy is recorded in Luke chapter 3. Now, there is a big discussion and a whole different study as to why her genealogy is first attributed to Joseph. If you go to Luke chapter 3, you'll see that. We'll talk about it, but it won't be tonight. Okay? Because I want you to understand why that was. But that was her genealogy in Luke chapter 3. Yes, Mary is mentioned throughout the Gospels in various places, but what about before her 
her immaculate conception. What happened to her? What was going on before the Holy Spirit showed up in her life? We don't know. Uh, We don't know much about what was going on. Now, she actually says a lot about herself in a song that she wrote. We call it Mary's Magnificat. That's in Luke chapter 1. That's actually going to be my Sunday morning Christmas series. I'll begin that Sunday morning. We're going to look at that verse by verse. She, she wrote three stanzas or sung three stanzas. But she gave us a song. But what else do we know? Um, we know that she was from Nazareth. And if, we, and if we just look at that alone, that actually tells us a lot. Why? Nazareth, when it comes to a pecking order of great cities to be in, Nazareth was not one of them. If you remember the dialogue between Philip and Nathaniel in what, uh, John chapter 2, 3? John chapter 2? Philip said to Nathaniel, you remember they, they were calling, all the, the disciples were being called? Meet this man from Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth. And then you remember the reply? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? It lets you know what was happening in that town. It was not a good neighborhood to, to be in. Like I said, can any you know, good thing come out of, you, know, you can name these cities that you may know of that's like you know, Detroit or whatever. So that's just, that's where she's from. I would imagine, like you, maybe that her home was very modest, small, not much to it. Um, but that's Mary. Then we have Joseph. What do we know of Joseph? Well, we know that he was a practicing carpenter. Okay. We know that he was originally from Bethlehem. When he moved away from Bethlehem, kind of up in the air, we do have his genealogy in the gospel of Matthew. So it seems like we begin the birth of Jesus with two insignificant, run-of-the-mill people. I would imagine that both Mary and Joseph were not super good-looking. I would imagine they didn't have, they certainly didn't have and come from a lot of money. They were normal people. Exactly the kind of people that God would use. To display his glory. Then you have in in Luke chapter 2. The very first name mentioned was Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus. Now that was not originally his name. You want to hear his original name? Gaius Octavius. That's a good name for your grandchildren, huh? You go around, you know, Gaius. Have you heard about this mom who... um, she, she's in danger of going to jail because she left her son, four-year-old son, to play in a, in a playground. The kid's name. Did you get the kid's name? Tomahawk. I think she should go to jail just for naming her kid Tomahawk. But, but can you imagine naming your kid Gai, Gaius Octavius? Well, that's a, hey, that's just a strong Greek name. That's just all that that was. Well, he was heir to the throne after Julius Caesar died. But the transition didn't happen as easy as, 
you know, you, you would think. He had to fight for it. Okay? Remember Mark Antony? Remember learning about him in world history? He had to fight him. And after that defeat, that's when Gaius Octavius assumed leadership. He was voted in by the Senate to rule, and his name was changed to Caesar Augustus. This happened in about A.D. 29, uh, excuse me, B.C., excuse me, 29 B.C. So if you look here, I've got two timelines. I've got a Jewish and I've got a Roman. So we're going to plug in Caesar Augustus at about 29, which will be about right here. This is when Caesar Augustus became the, the emperor, okay? All right. Caesar Augustus, A.D. 29. And you notice I've got it down to 20, from 50 B.C. to 20 A.D. Oh, and real quick, how many of you have ever heard the terms C.E. and B.C.E.? You ever heard those? Okay, what, is those, what do those stand for? Sometimes you'll read them in history books, newspapers, magazines. Common Era. Common Era. That's the same thing as A.D., B.C., they'll use the term B.C.E., before Common Era. What's the big deal there? Well, they're trying to move away from a non-religious type perspective. You see the, the letters B.C., before Christ, and then Anno Domini, A.D., year, the year of our Lord. This was done about three centuries after the resurrection. That's when they started putting this together. Problem is, they got the date of Jesus wrong, and they realized that. Because it's interesting, right about that same time, about the third century is when the church really became vested and interested in figuring out when was it that Jesus actually, when was he born? Well, see, during that whole time and that era, you had this nomenclature that was adopted, A.D. or B.C., A.D. But here's what's funny. You have the secular folks use the B.C.E. and C.E., but what numbers are they using? Same numbers. I mean, so it's kind of a, a moot point. So I don't know. I don't know. So here we have uh, Caesar Augustus. <coughs> he fought Mark Antony and Cleopatra, uh, defeated them, and he ruled until uh, August the 19th, 14 AD. So right about here is when he died. Boom, right there. So he was Caesar during the uh, uh, preliminary year, the, the, the birth of Christ and his preliminary years here on earth. All right. The next guy is the linchpin to understanding Jesus's birth. This one guy alone provides our answers. Well, say for, say for another one, but this one guy, Quirinius. All right. Down in verse 2. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now remember, the scriptures record redemptive history. It doesn't record every single detail of every single government, even at that time. All right. So follow along with me. I'm going to do the best that I can to explain to you why Quirinius is a big deal to the dating of Jesus. We know in history that Quirinius 
was the governor of Syria, just like it's mentioned here in verse 2. But we know for a fact that when he was governor, it was during A.D. 6 through 9. So, whoops, come down here and we'll, we'll, we'll do this. Okay, that's Quirinius. Okay, Caesar Augustus, here's Quirinius, 6 to 9 A.D. You automatically see a problem, don't you? You should. If he's doing a taxation, a registration, Jesus would have already been long born. Okay, all right, here's another issue. If you'll turn to the... Um, let's turn to the book of Matthew real quick. <clears throat> Matthew chapter Matthew chapter two. Matthew chapter two. You've got Herod, okay? Now, you know about Herod, I guess. Herod, was he Jewish or Roman? Is he Jewish or Roman? (laughs) He's actually kind of both. Here's why. Birth, Jewish. Rule, Jewish. Appointed by Romans. Okay? Alright. So, so Herod is a Jewish ruler, but Romans put him in charge. Yeah, he Romish. I get, yeah, there you go, Romish. So, which means that the Jews didn't really care for him at all. They didn't, you know, they kind of saw him as, you know, you're just hanging out with the enemy type thing. Okay? Well, we know that he had an edict, right, about the babies. Remember? Give them the babies. We know that Jesus was a little boy. At least we know that he was in a home. He was in a home. Okay, if you look here at... Um, in uh, verse 11, Matthew chapter 2... This is, this is speaking of the Magi. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. Now, what town were they in? Do you know? Does the Bible say? Hmm? Go to verse 8. Does it mention the town? Bethlehem. So, they, so even Joseph hadn't taken his family down to Egypt yet. So that means that Jesus was an infant. Now, that is also the reason why the Magi are a popular vision in the nativity scene. I don't think they were there at the manger. But I do believe they came, obviously, while... But because the, the mangers weren't typically in homes, by the way. Mangers were what cattle fed out of. 
So they had to have been transplanted to a home. There was a residence of some sort that they were able to be in. That's when the Magi came. He could have been one, two years old. Herod issued the edict, kill the babies. Here's the problem. Herod died in 4 B.C. Do you see a problem? If Quirinius was doing the census, but Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem for a census during the time of here, but if he died here, there's about a 10-year gap there. Do you see that? Everybody cool? Everybody see what I'm seeing? You understand? We know for a fact that Quirinius ruled here. Secular people, this is what they'll tell you. We know that Herod died here. So what happened? I'm glad you asked. Thank you. I'm glad you asked. Near Rome... In 1764, a fragment of a stone was found during an archaeological dig. In this archaeological dig, when they unearthed this stone and started cleaning up what was obviously printed, scratched in there, you know, chiseled, however, that there was an inscription. And it described a Roman official who was twice the governor of Syria. It goes on, and it doesn't mention a name, but it describes what this man did. Everything that's etched in that stone lines up exactly with what we know for a fact about Quirinius. So according to this stone... Found in 1764, Quirinius obviously has served two terms as governor of Syria. So, not only do we have an AD 6 to 9, we've got to back it up. We've got to back it up. And here's another reason why. Go back to Luke. What does verse 2 say? Somebody read verse 2. Luke chapter 2. Yep. First. First registration. Here's another reason why we know there were two terms of service for him. History records that he did do a... Census during this time, because in A.D. 6. Yeah, in A.D. 6, right, kind of right here in the middle of his time of service, he did another registration and there was a Jewish big Jewish revolt that took place. Now, this registration says nothing about a revolt. It also says that this was the very first registration. 
So we've got to back up Quirinius. Now, how can you serve two terms? Well, what's going on there? Well, Roman government is not much unlike our government or other Western governments in the sense that you can have two types of rule in the same country. There is a group of men and women that reside in many states throughout our land, but they answer to a different set of rules. It's the United States military. They have their own leadership. You follow me? What is thought to have been going on here is that the first time he served as governor, which had to be before 4 B.C., and we're going to back it up to maybe 6 B.C., that rule of Quirinius would have been a military-type rule. Which means, which means that just like the military can declare martial law, I mean, they can come in and do about what they want to. Federal government can come do about what they want to. I was living in East North Carolina after Hurricane Floyd, and it just it devastated Eastern North Carolina. And center, uh, the, the storm center was Rocky Mount, where I, I served as chaplain with the fire department. And they called that the 500-year flood. FEMA got involved. To date, it's been the largest FEMA mitigation in U.S. history. But what FEMA did, they would come in, and if they declared something, a place unhabitable, nobody could build there ever again. That's, I mean, so what I'm saying is, even though Quirinius would have been more militarily in a, more, a military position, I should say, possibly here, he still had the rule and the authority to declare a, a census or a taxation. So we know that we have to line it up with Herod because Herod died in 4 BC, right? So we have to line up Quirinius with 4 BC and we're going to back him up. We could probably back it up to about 8 and still be safe. Okay, so let's call it 8 B.C. And then the scriptures declared that what happened here was the very first census. That lines up with secular history. Because if he did another census, which he did, that would make this census correct. It is the first. Usually meaning that what the scripture declares is something first there's probably another somewhere along the way. It just didn't record that one. And, and furthermore, the Bible didn't need to record a second census. Why? Because the census that was required to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem to fulfill the scriptures so that Jesus could be born, that's the census that made the difference. You see. Everybody good with me so far? Any questions? Well, we've got a few more people to talk about. She being Mary, Mary won't the only pregnant lady around during that time. It just so happened she had a cousin, Elizabeth, who pregnant too. 
I will talk to you on Sunday morning why Mary went to go see Elizabeth. But in the meantime, let's just talk about Elizabeth and uh, Zechariah, her husband. That's not the same as the Old Testament prophet Zechariah, okay? So make sure you know there's two different guys there. Elizabeth was a cousin, okay? You can back up to Luke um, In Luke chapter 1, that's going to describe what's happening here. Her husband, Zechariah, served as a temple priest. So you're working in the temple. Now, this is where it gets super interesting. In Luke chapter 1, verse 8, Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So Zechariah got the news first about his wife and the birth and the baby and all that. Now, I ran out of time on research, but I found a document that states that the course of his service... The course of his service would have been roughly June the 13th through the 19th. It would have been a specific week. And it would have been within this time period. Okay, from 6 B.C. to 4 B.C. 6, 5, 4. Three-year span right here, just a June. Can anybody tell me, what did the Bible say? What was the, what was the month difference between Elizabeth's pregnancy and Mary's pregnancy? In other words, how, pre, how far along was, was, was Elizabeth than Mary? Six, three. Let's look at this text. It'll tell you. In the sixth, verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. So she was six months along, which means there was a three month difference, roughly, in birth. All right, so using um, this source came from the Companion Bible. Appendix 179, page 200, if you want to look it up later. If June the 13th to the 19th was the correct week that Zechariah learned of the prophecy, and assuming that Elizabeth was not yet pregnant at that time, we'll just assume that she became pregnant later that month. That means her first month of pregnancy technically could have been July. You knock that down, the sixth month of her pregnancy would have been in December. Christmas time. Wow. 
That's Lord knows what he's doing. John the Baptist would have been born sometime around March. That means December, if that was the time of conception, carrying him full term, Jesus would have been born in the month of August. August. Between 6 and 4 A.D. Uh, B.C., yeah. Before Common Era. Um, does this make sense? Actually, it does on two fronts. Number one, Bible says shepherds were abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. August would have been a prime time for, um, shepherds watching their sheep, birthing cycle, things of that nature. It would have worked. It would not have worked in December. December in Palestine is cold. Furthermore, it would not have made sense to issue an edict for taxation during a time when weather wouldn't have worked in their favor. Favor. And just like you know, during rough weather, what happens to dirt roads in rough weather? Washed out, messed up, whatever, eroded. So travel would have been prohibited. Wouldn't have been as easy. It would have made better sense to have done it in summertime or in a time where the weather was more favorable. Therefore, August. Or perhaps a little earlier. Here's why. Let's go back to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2. Verse 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee. From the town of Nazareth. To Judea. To the city of David, which is Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, she gave birth. What does that mean? When was while they were there? The popular conception is here is Mary sitting on a donkey. No mention of a donkey in Scripture, but... She sat on a donkey and she's in labor. And poor Joseph, he went to Motel 6. He knocks on the door. There is no room at Motel 6. He red rash in, I mean, red roof in and knocked on the door. No room at the red roof in. I'll go to the Hilton. In the Bethlehem Hilton, no room. That's not recorded. What is recorded is that there was just a lot of people there. I mean, that's just what you take from it. Who knows how long they were there? According to the scriptures, 
Now, now think about this. I, I'm, I, I know that what I'm saying flies in the face of every nativity scene you've ever seen or probably have in your house right now, including mine. It is possible that they could have had a place to stay, but while traveling within the city, her pregnancy came on so quickly that he went to the first place that was available to them and gave birth. That may be plausible, but it's only my idea, and I only base it on the fact that I delivered five babies in the back of an ambulance while serving in emergency services. Each one of those mothers had a home. But when the baby decides to come, you can't stop it. There ain't much you can do. You just have to do what you're trained to do. It's possible that where they were, well, the Bible says explicitly where they were, there was no room. And in a crowd bustling like Bethlehem, Boom. I'm going to go to the first place that I can find. I know it's far-fetched, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. So we have this time frame, which could have been a month or so. August, June, or July. August, July, this this time frame um, where they were there. Because the Bible, like I said, the Bible doesn't say as soon as they got there, she had a baby. No, while they were there, she had a baby. So there's some time there that we just can't really account for. So what we know thus far is that between AD 6, whoops, AD 6, AD 4, Six to four in roughly July or August, Jesus was born. Why don't we back it up to six? Because you, you know that the Herod in dying in four BC, that's that marker. Why do we put the marker at six? Because Egyptian history, and I, I can't believe I hadn't shared this until now. Egyptian history records a census that was uh, that that was conducted in A.D. or an edict went out in eight B.C. Eight B.C. When you factor in communication and execution of an edict, you're looking at upwards of possibly two years for the information for the census to disseminate and then for people to start gathering. You see? So you're talking about a a span of a few years that, you know, people had to get their things in order. I mean, think think about if you were called to go to your hometown, the place where you were born. Let's say I was called to go to Wilson, North Carolina, and no automobiles. we're, We're Mary and Joseph, okay? No automobiles. No phone, no internet, no cell phone, no television, no electricity, nothing. 
we get a dispatch in the mail from somewhere in our homes in sunny Florida. We've got to go register to be taxed. Go to your home city. Go to the place where you were born, where your family's from. Oh, God, and I got a wife and kids. We got to take off work. I got to make arrangements for whatever. You just didn't hop in a plane and, and fly down there. It didn't happen overnight. So <clears throat> you've got 8 BC, an edict that, that Egyptian history records. Something happened with a, with a census. Time you figure in communication, travel, etc. That leaves us with 6 to 4 BC. Perhaps July and August, Jesus was born. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the First Baptist Church of Boulogne in Hilliard, Florida. For more information, please visit www.fbcboulogne.org. Thank you.